Welcome into the IDS Football Podcast alongside Caleb Kaufman and Will Coleman. I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks for joining us. If you hear that chewing in the background, that is Caleb munching on a roll from Assembly Hall from Basketball Media Today. Media Day earlier today. That is correct. They are actually quite good. But that I steak was, oh and mac man. and cheese Gosh. and shrimp, it was a smorgasbord of deliciousness. I was I out. so stunned by the, uh, by, by the food that they had for us. For any uh, first-time IU Basketball media members who went today, do not get used to that because it is usually crap food. Is that the same stuff that they gave us for football? But worse. Football is by far better than normal Assembly Hall food, in my opinion. For, from my experience, it's all just kind of like the same stuff. It's like you have— But at least you get, like, cookies and the, burgers and stuff. You have the rotation stuff. between the burgers, the hot dogs, the wraps, the Papa John's pizza, the Chick-fil-A— and you just keep rotating it over and over again. You get some donuts if it's a new game. Oh, you got to have the donuts. Yeah. Yeah, that's for football. For basketball, you get the gross cold cuts like 99% of the time. Then you get that one noon tip. And it's like, oh, Chick-fil-A, unless it's a Sunday noon tip. And then things really get messed up. <laughs> then you're having like a ham sandwich at 11 o'clock in the morning, which is no one wants to do after it's a Saturday night. Anyways, we are not here to talk about IU basketball. We're talking Hoosier football, the team that's actually in season. How many Indiana fans have already checked out, though, and gone to basketball? Well, most? I, I'll give them this week. This week they can stay attached to IU football. Maybe after Hoosier hysteria, we'll have some more fans. Two weeks away. Yeah, based on a oh, week and a half, really. Yeah, that's true. Hoosier hysteria. During the bye week for the IU football fans out there. Yep, that, that really crushes you, doesn't it, Caleb? As a reporter doing both sports, I would have liked a free weekend. But apparently, uh, J.D. Campbell and no. IU Athletics uh, did not think so. No off time for Caleb. You're blaming <laughs> J.D. for one Hoosier hysteria? Uh, no, I'm not blaming no, J.D. No, it JD. sounds JD. like you're blaming J.D. JD. did not get angry at me. I'm a big fan. <laughs> J.D., Caleb places all of the blame on you. He's just the face of the media communication line. That's why I named him. And you're doing a great job, J.D. Suck up. <laughs> Gotta play you, the game. You, you can't criticize him and, and mock him and then, and then suck up to him in the same sentence. I just did. <laughs> Indiana blew out UConn over the weekend. The storyline, though, is, is all about Coy Cronk, who is out for the season with an ankle injury. Tom Allen said he's having surgery this week. Just what what are the initial reactions to Coy Cronk being out for the year? That's a huge loss. Like, there's no if ands, or buts about it. He is the anchor of that offensive line. You want him there. The offensive line has been problematic at times that's what we have blamed the run game on for most of this early part of the season and losing by far the best offensive lineman on the squad for your starter uh never good never good yeah I mean there might be two other offensive linemen starting on the offensive line um but Coy is just different I mean him even even Simon is a captain on the O-line but Coy is just a whole nother breed of just leader and he he really embodies um, you know, what it means to be a, a Hoosier. Um, and you you hear that out of coaches and you hear just just the reaction. You, you saw the reaction of all the players, you know, piling off the bench to wish him well before he got carted off the field. And I think that really speaks volumes to how important he is to the team. With how much Indiana struggled offensively with the O-line this year, that that's extremely worrisome that you lose your best offensive lineman because he's, it's not just like he's the best offensive lineman on the team. He's one of the better O-linemen in the Big Ten. He was on the watch list for the Atlin Trophy, a four-year starter, as Caleb said. 
he's been the one constant for Indiana football offensively over the last four years. And for him to not be there anymore is just it, it it's a scary thought for Indiana football. And you mentioned uh there's two guys that, that are going to be filling in for him. What should we expect from uh Devondre Love and Matt and Matt Bedford? Um as it sounds right now, it sounds like Love will be sliding into the starting lineup and kind of how he just wants to get better for a little bit more time. Allen has pretty much said now that it's official that he's getting season-ending surgery that Bedford's redshirt ideas that they possibly had before the season are out the window. He will be playing at some point. And to me, it kind of sounds like they want Bedford to be the guy, especially— But it with, doesn't sound like he's ready. But he's not quite ready yet. I think they're buying time for that bye week. I think the bye, what happens coming off the bye week, if it's Love or Bedford, will be the true test. This week will be Love. He's a fifth-year senior. He's got some experience. But uh, don't be surprised if Bedford gets thrown in there if needed. I don't think it's so much as like who that one guy is going to be that fills in for Kronk in the starting lineup. I think it's just a very big wake-up call to the entire offensive line, offensive lineman unit. I mean, to lose your veteran leader at such a crucial time in the season heading into Big Ten play, it's, it's only Big Ten opponents from here on out in the regular season. Um, and like Jack said, I mean, they've been struggling with the run game, so... Take that, you lose your leader. I mean, it's all—it's a matter of how the rest of the guys are going to respond to it. And I think you see young guys like Bedford really looking to make a name for themselves and prove that they're worthy of significant And other time. guys on the line like Hunter Littlejohn, uh, Simon Stepanek, they, they have to step up too because they really haven't played well this year. They just haven't. They looked good against UConn last week, but I mean, come on, guys. It's UConn. No one's going to take you seriously if you're hanging your head on, oh, we played well against UConn. So, it's a really big jump against Michigan State, and it's interesting that you said, Caleb, that they might be holding Bedford out until after the bye week. I don't know if they can afford to do that. If he is the most talented guy, the most physically ready guy, you might have to say bleep it and roll with the punches a little bit, because you're playing arguably the best front seven in the country in Michigan State this week. See, I'd rebut that in saying I would take the possibly a little bit less talented player with experience who's not going to be rattled it's hard going into a uh, a top 25 opponents uh stadium and playing well especially as a true freshman this would be his first real uh game time he played i believe a little in the fourth quarter against, um, UConn. against uconn yes um and that was kind of thrown away minutes the game was by far in hand uh i think you roll with love in the michigan state game just let him get comfortable and get the reps in practice. You need, as a freshman, I'd want him to be a hundred percent knowing what's happening, knows what he has to do, and be before he gets thrown into the fire. I think I think we may also be looking about this a little bit in the wrong way. From what everything Allen said, both post game against Connecticut and on Monday in his Monday presser, it sounds like no matter who ends up starting, that he's going to be playing both guys throughout the game, not just against Michigan State and moving forward. Yes, that that is the sense Allen gave, which is kind of interesting. You usually don't have that idea of an especially offensive line. You don't usually try to rotate guys that much. I'm not sure if he's thinking about rotating or just who looks best in practice, but maybe like kind of ride the hot hand type thing. That still to me seems so weird, especially on a position like that where he's talked about it's so much familiarity and comf- being comfortable with the guys next to you in that unit. I would think you'd name your guy and you'd roll with them as long as possible throughout the season. But we'll see how IU does. 
if, if, if Chronicle was healthy, that's obviously what they'd be doing. But of course. you just kind of don't have the luxury to do that at this point to where you're trying to figure out who the best guy is at left tackle. And obviously that's a scary position to have. Have uh, that be your vacancy, oh, even yeah. though without I, I have a feeling we're thinking the same thing here. Go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm sure we are. Yes, with Penix being a lefty, whenever he comes back, all the talk about, about well, are they going to switch Caleb Jones and Coy Cronk to where Caleb doesn't have to guard the blind side. Now suddenly Caleb's the strong side on the tackle connection. So I guess that is a good thing in, in one sense. So we're not saying it's good that Coy got hurt, but that with a lefty quarterback, you might be able, whenever Penix comes back, you might be able to mask it a bit better with Caleb Jones being the blindside protector. And for those listening, just quickly about Penix, still a game-time decision, and still no updates since no. the injury, really. No real updates, but it was they interesting. They did say he's going to practice this week. Yes. That was said, and also Tom Allen said it himself. He'd be surprised that if he doesn't go this week, he'd be surprised if he wasn't ready after the bye week. So, Yeah, but they need him this week. They do. They're not winning with Ra- Ramsey. As good as he looked against UConn, he only had four I mean, incompletions in the game. That's what he does. As, and Jack, you've said it all year. He plays great against bad teams and not so great against good teams. And uh, Michigan State is a very good defense, uh, to say the least, especially that front seven. So, so, let, so let's talk about that, that front seven and that defense. They are the fifth-best overall defense. They're the fourth-best run defense. In four games, they have given up 209 yards on the ground, which, to compare, Indiana gave up 193 yards just to J.K. Dobbins a couple weeks ago in three-quarters of a game. So... That's a pretty good run defense. They're only giving up... uh, Especially against a team that has been struggling mightily on the ground. They've had... I'm going to call it one and a half good games because I don't really count EIU as a, as being a quality enough UConn opponent. A game? Well, I'm giving them uh, 0.75, 0.75, 0.75 <laughs> each. So that comes out to 1.5. And I know Will wants to say the second half of Ball State like he does all the time. I still don't. 100% bio is a great half. I'm not going to count it. But you can make the argument with my 0.75, 0.75, and then a half a game against Ball State. But you're looking at this without Coy Cronk going to Spartan Stadium. How the hell are we supposed to expect Indiana to be able to run the ball against Michigan State? You're going to kill DeBoer's going to need to do some funky stuff. He's a very creative offensive coordinator. He's shown some of it this season. He's going to probably need to spread it out. A lot of those WAP filler screen passes and then play off of those and then quick north-south runs with Stevie Scott. His moment. Him saying a lot during this week that it's all about those two-yard rushes and just take those chunks to make third manageable, that's how he's going to have to move the ball this year. If you look at, at yards per rush for Michigan State, Wisconsin has the best run defense in the country. They're, they're only giving up 27 yards per game. They've given up 81 rush yards in three games. Total. <laughs> yes, 81 wow. total. 1.29 yards per rush. No one's anywhere close to that. But then you look at at Michigan State, who is tied for third in rushing yards and rushing yards per game, given up 209 rushing yards, given up 52.3 per game. But then you look at the two teams that are right there with them, Utah and San Diego State, they're giving up a full third of a yard to half a yard more per rush than Michigan State is. The only other team that's in Michigan State's realm of yards per rush of 1.71 yard per rush is 
the Ohio State team Indiana just played a couple weeks ago, who's also at 1.71. So for me, that worries me because we've already seen Indiana go up against the top defensive line and struggle mightily. Can a potential return of Michael Penix be enough to where you can open it up enough to be able to run the ball some? Because even if Penix plays, they're going to have to be able to run the ball a little bit to win the game. I think Penix coming in, Ramsey's athletic. He's shown that he can run, but just it does slow down a, ru- a rush. Especially and, 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 and I'm not, has and, and been and the I'm threat not, of Penix also running. I'm not talking about Penix running. I'm talking about— Jess of Stevie and the running backs. Just, yes. How he influences the run Because whoever, whoever the quarterback is is going to have some rushing ability. Mm-hmm. But Penix— would, He is the better rusher. I, I would say so, but Ramsey's not a slouch rushing the ball. The biggest difference between Penix and Ramsey, as I've said many times, isn't in the running game, it's in the vertical passing game. And if Penix plays, will he be able to stretch the field enough against a good secondary to open up some running lanes? Because even even if even if he is able to get a couple of home run balls and it loosens up Michigan State a little I mean, bit. Can 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 Indiana run against a six-man front? I think that, so. what Michigan State is. I, I don't know. I think so because, look, you, you've got a quarterback with almost twice as good as arm as Ramsey. I would argue triple the amount of an arm. <laughs> Regardless. Really just opens up the entire offense, kind of changes the way it runs, really. You can just see that just from watching it. And I think, like Jack said, Ohio, uh, Ohio State – their front seven is pretty much as good as Michigan State's. So IU can take that game film and change things up. I think that will be a huge point. They're going to look at that a lot, is just how they how they performed up against Ohio State and kind of counter that and do what they didn't do against Ohio State, if that makes sense. I'm going to have a slight caveat here with, I know Allen on Monday said Penix will not play if he's not 100%. That's never true. <laughs> that, that's just that's just coach talk. That that's them trying to make themselves sound good and everything. I'm slightly concerned. Even if Penix plays, I'm not sure though. They we don't know what the injury was. We assume it was an arm. Allen really hasn't told us. Penix with the dead arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it kind of looked like in the one video that kind of surfaced a couple weeks ago. But we're not here to speculate. We're not here to speculate, Anyways. and just. Anecdotally, walking out of media availability one day, he was throwing on the field. He wasn't particularly throwing far. It was like five-yard passes, and that was— that's more than what we've seen. It is, but I'm so concerned that even if he plays, I'm not sure how much they're stretching the field with his passing game because there's no way he's going to be at 100%, in my opinion. He didn't practice at all last week for the most part. He had very limited reps. I'm thinking we're not seeing those 40-plus-yard bombs that we were seeing against um, Ball Ball State. I'm thinking it's longer than the Ramsey five-yard dinks, dink and dumps, but I'm keeping it within 20 is my expectation. But let's, let's say for a second that Penix is able to throw the ball downfield. And then it, it's fine. Then, ball, yeah. Well, hold on. So Michigan State won't have 10, 11 guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage on every play like Ohio State did. Do we trust Indiana to even be able to run against a front seven or a six-man box with Michigan State's D-line. Because I'm, I'm arguing I don't think they can. I, without Coy Cronk and with how much the offensive line has struggled this year, 
even if they're able to to back up the rest of the defense, I just think Michigan State's D-line and linebackers are that much better than Indiana's offensive line. And uh, and there's just only so much a guy like Stevie Scott can do if he's constantly getting hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And even if it's a four-man rush and you have and you're playing with two safeties back, I don't see where Indiana can can run the ball against this Michigan State team. I think it's going to be a testament to if both Allen and DeBoer are just talking in their media availabilities about they want to be committed to the run, they want to stick with it, two, three yards is fine. Are they just saying that? Or the only way they get the run game going is if they actually stay committed. Ohio State, they gave up up on the run by second second quarter quarter at – at the latest, they might have given up earlier. I can't fully remember. I kind of tried to block that game out a little bit. I will say this though: if, if they're if they're able to stretch the field, get those six man boxes, and then you you stay committed to the running game. If you have eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box, and they're all more athletic than what you have, there's no reason to even try to run the ball. I get that you want to be balanced and all that stuff, but it's just a failing mission to try to run. At that the point, ball you got to go to the 2017 Lego offense of. Uh-huh. Screen pass and let your fast wide receiver run. In this case, it would be Watt Fillier. Which, honestly, that would probably work better than what it did in 2017. <laughs> Mitchell Page was good, it but he's not. a great half yes. against Ohio State <laughs> when Lego looked like he was about to win the Heisman. Uh, the back back shoulder throw after back shoulder throw after back shoulder throw. And it was marvelous. Yes. And they, I like to think of that as the Jay Gruden offense, except it actually worked. <laughs> I think of it as the Caleb Kaufman offense on NCAA Football 14. I only run drag routes in NCAA Football. No, no, that's a lie. You ran at least eight comeback routes. Oh, that's right. I also do love a good deep comeback yes. route. Yes. Unstoppable. I only run drag routes on Madden. We digress. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, let's flip it here. Talk about the Michigan State offense. They were much maligned early in the season. They broke out in some sorts at 31 points against Northwestern. Were there any big changes that you guys saw from the Michigan State offense in that game? I wouldn't really say so. I think if there's anything we take from this game, it's that Northwestern really isn't all cracked up to what everyone said they were going to be preseason. Not to discredit Michigan State at all. I mean, Brian Lewerke is a multi-year starter at quarterback. They've got two talented running backs in um, Elijah Collins and Connor Hayward, um, and they have a few good receivers too. So I I like MSU's offense. I think that uh, Arizona State loss was just a bit of a mental lapse for them. I, for the most part, agree. Uh, they didn't really do anything that different against Northwestern. It's gotten the same old that we've seen early in the season. It just so happened to work. And kind of shows that once you stick to something, maybe you can break out, which I'm going to bring this back to IU real quick. Might work for IU. They've been pretty consistent with what their game plan was. It just hasn't worked. And maybe they're looking for what Michigan State was able to do against Northwestern. But I agree with Will. It kind of was more an indictment on Northwestern's defense. And how well they you played. say that, but I mean, Northwestern, for as bad as they've been offensively, they only gave up 10 defensive points to Stanford week one, and they only gave up 14 points in week two. Michigan State got 31 on them. I, I, Even a blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while, Jack. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> See, I, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because— Which we need. Just looking at just looking at the stats for Michigan State, I mean, Brian Lewerke— had a QBR of 62 despite throwing three touchdown passes and completing over 60% of his passes. How does that happen? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they they ran the ball a lot better. Uh, Elijah Collins was really good. He averaged over four and a half yards per carry and had a touchdown. Uh, Daryl Stewart's going to be interesting. He had a good game last week. He's been their top receiver. It, it's just a very, it, it's a very weird box score to look at. Is they get the thirty-one points, but nothing really stands out as it was that great. Mm-hmm. I, I I do believe that Indiana's defense is going to be able to contain the working and the Michigan State offense. It just comes down to can the Hoosier offense stay on the field enough to where IU's defense just isn't slowly worn down as the game goes on, and we know how that that story goes. They weren't worn down; they were just steamrolled from. I'm not talking whistle. about Ohio State. I'm talking about like. Years past. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> that was. There were a lot of problems against Ohio State this season for Indiana. Wearing down the defense was not one of them. <laughs> for once, <laughs> bravo. They, you know, they did their job. They were consistent throughout the game. Consistently trash. You said that, not me. They were consistent throughout the game. It's pretty and that fair was to say goal. when you look at the wall in of Memorial Stadium at the team rooms where it has each game and players of the week, <laughs> and that one's no just blank. One. That, that one doesn't have an offensive, defense, or special teams player of the week. It was just blank. There, there was a scout team player of the week, though. Who was it? Do you know? Hell no. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that I still remember that WAP won offensive player of the week for this week. I'll be honest, I kind of forgot already. Cam Jones had a big game against UConn. Uh, is is he a guy that 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 we see kind of making a turn a little bit? He had the big six, had the huge should stop have two on third picks and one. in that game. Yeah, he should have had a second that, pick. If I was that tall, I think I would have made that catch. <laughs> For me now, it would have gone over my head. But um, <laughs> I think he's he's looked good. Uh, no one really looked good against Ohio State, but uh. Just him being out there was impressive for Ohio State coming off the injury from last year and everything. And then, yes, uh, this past week, he – was he Defensive Player of the Week? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was outstanding. I couldn't remember if it was him or his Yemba. Um, but he looked great. He looked apart. Got in the backfield when he had to, and those two picks were huge. That pick six was kind of – it put the stamp on the game. Like, yeah, you, I, I had reserves that yes. I was going to drop the ball against UConn. He made sure that did not happen. We have made it to the 22 minute 40 second mark before I mentioned that it was 38 to 3 against UConn last week. Yeah, Jack uh, guessed the, for those who don't consistently listen, uh, Jack uh, guessed the score correctly somehow. And I've heard it about mm, 100 times over the course of the week. I think the most shocking thing was uh, Caleb was at my house. For Monday Night Football yesterday, and he asked my roommates, "How many times has Jack told you that he got the score right?" And they said, "Eh, maybe once." My <laughs> jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I was like, "What? Can I live here with you guys, please?" <laughs> it's a rough life sitting next to Jack Roseman in the press box when the score is looking promising. I mean, it's not as rough as sitting next to you in any IUS TV meeting. That is fair. <laughs> I was very well behaved though this past week for other reasons. There was a com- this means nothing to anyone other than Caleb and I. I'm sorry, Will, for just yeah. making you feel awkward here. But Caleb keeps saying I behave so well in that meeting. I behave so well in that meeting. Uh, Michael Tilka asked him a direct question, and he did not hear it because he was talking to Maxwell Glenn. 
<laughs> not a good look, Caleb. And that not. was him behaving, air quotes, well. <laughs> Compared to other meetings, that was like A++++ uh, behavior. Not as an indictment for any potential employers out there listening to this. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Are still on this Cam Jones uh, question? <laughs> uh... Will, Will, do you have any takes on Cam Jones yeah. while we're still here? You know, Cam's looked good. <laughs> uh, he's been making some strides since that injury early on, and everyone's always talking about the energy and physicality that he brings to that defense. And, you know, he's in a crowded linebacker room, and I wasn't really expecting him to make as big of an impact as he has so far. So, Especially with the injury and, and moving from Husky to linebacker. It's been really mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. All right, so before we get out of here, let's pick the game. Indiana-Michigan State, Will, we will go to you first. Try to match me from last week. So, my first prediction is that Penix will be the starting quarterback. Yes, yes, that that, sh- that should be uh, the first thing. It, so it's a two part prediction. You, yes, we'll have Penix starting and Ramsey starting predictions. I think Penix starts, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bold, and I'm gonna say he struggles just because of you know. Does whatever. he get pulled? He does. He does get pulled, but he he doesn't get pulled. Wow. I'm just saying they're gonna need Ramsey at some point. Okay, because they're gonna lose by seven points. I've got, I've got Michigan State twenty four, IU seventeen. We got a, we got a close one. I've been on record saying it should be the Reese Taylor show as quarterback. Um, just kidding. Uh, don't touch <laughs> that dial, Jack. Uh, and, and actually, I have Ramsey starting this game. I just have a sinking feeling that this panic injury is a little bit more serious than they want to let on. I got nothing to substantiate that claim much just in my gut so i got ramsey starting i don't think we see Penix until after the bye and i'm gonna go michigan state wins this one 28 14 i think they double up the hoosiers i'm gonna say Penix does start because uh tom allen saying that Penix is practicing this week for me is a really big game changer because he hasn't practiced the last two weeks and even though he's been a game time decision the fact that we knew he wasn't practicing kind of let us to believe that yeah, it's Ramsey's gonna be the guy. But now that he's back on the practice field, I it, it it makes me lean towards that he's going to start. I don't think it really matters what quarterback Indiana throws out in this game. Obviously, it matters because I think they have a chance with Penix and they don't with Ramsey. But I'm not going to pick them to win either way. If Penix is to play, which I think he will, I think they'll get something out of him. But I just, it's his first true road game. You're playing one of the best defenses in the country. It's a lot to ask for, even if he wasn't hurt. So I don't think he's going to play his best game, but I still think it's better than the alternative of pulling him and going to Ramsey. Dom Allen doesn't want to uh, risk his young quarterback getting shaken confidence. He knows it's a long season. You don't want to mess with a dude like that, especially when it's only his third career start. Can I just jump in real quick with yeah, that? If you're saying he's most likely going to be shaky on the road, even if he's not 100%, I think that would put it even more towards Ramsey because the last thing Tom Allen wants right now is a quarterback controversy. Even though he's been firm on saying there isn't, it's not when Penix is healthy. This is the only team. way. The only way there's a quarterback controversy is if Penix starts the game and he gets pulled. But that's what I'm saying. The, I will, the if, amount, if there's the, even a the, sliver the, in my in my mind amount, that he's going to struggle that much that. In Wilson area, but, but here's the thing. It's it, this is more about Michigan State than anything else, 
And we've seen how long of a leash Tom Allen's had with Peyton Ramsey throughout the past couple of years, and he's kind of a football indicated— length, football field length of a leash. Yeah, he's indicated that he's giving Penix the same amount of leash. So based on what he's done with Ramsey in the past, I'd assume he'd treat Penix the same way to where even if he struggles in a game, he's going to be given the opportunity to bounce back, especially after the bye week. I have Michigan State winning 17-13. If Ramsey doesn't play, that changes to 17-3. So I think Mike Penix— 10 points went? He's worth 10 points? I think he's worth 10 points. And to the football gods, please do not let either of those scores happen, or I will never hear the end of it. (laughs) That's all we got for today for Caleb Kaufman and Will Coleman. I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the IDS Football Podcast.